Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Hi, and welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome to episode 263. Today I have Jay here with me again. And Hello. I wanted to ask you your perspective on a topic I discussed earlier this week. And um, we did perspective is three point perspective. Uh, yeah. okay. Oh, excuse me, I don't want your perspective. Of course the dog is in here with us. So Earlier this week, and this is totally unscripted. I didn't prep him at all on this. I just wanted to hear off the cuff what his thoughts were. Earlier this week, I did an episode where I talked about why parenting teens can be so hard. But I realized after I did it that most of my... I tried to generalize it, but I realized that most of my perspective is from the perspective of a mother. And the traditional mother kind of things, um, which will make sense in a minute. But anyway, a couple of the reasons that I gave in that in that episode was when our kids are young, and of course, I, I kept trying to say a stay-at-home parent or a mom and a dad, but really the majority of this probably speaks to mothers. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts were as a dad. When the kids are young, you do play dates and play groups and you take your kid to the playground and the park. So you have all this natural, easy access to other parents who are in your life situation, in that phase of life with you. And so you have just natural access to camaraderie, support, uh, information sharing, what have you, when they're really young. Mm. And then... And then your kids get a little older and maybe they do a sport or maybe they do a piano lesson or something and then they're going to go to practice, but they're still kind of young, so you're sitting at the practice with them. Well, so are all the other parents. So again, you have ready-made access to parents and other people who is the village and the support network. Then your kids get a little bit older, you know, maybe 11, 12, 13, and suddenly it doesn't become so necessary for most parents to stay at the practice. Now suddenly we're dropping the kids off and swinging back by at the end and picking them up. Or maybe we're carpooling. So we're only taking one way and somebody else is taking the other. Another parent is taking the other way. So we don't have any access to parents. I mean, our, our easy access to parents really dwindles rapidly when our kids hit that like pre-adolescent early adolescent phase and I also talked about how uh, 
when our kids are young, uh, young, it's easy to kind of set their schedule, plan their meals. You know, you kind of run the whole show. When they get to be young teenagers, suddenly they want to run their own show. They want to choose what they want to eat. They want to set the schedule, make plans with their friends. It's no longer in your hands where you're doing all of that. And that transition from you being in charge of everything to now they want to take over can be really hard for parents, especially at the same time when their support network is evaporating before their eyes, the easy support network. And then the other thing I said was when you're at the playground talking with other parents who also have toddlers, it's very easy to say, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what Johnny did. Johnny picks his boogies and eats them no matter where we are in front of anyone. It's so embarrassing. And then the other parents will giggle and nod their heads and, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And, oh, I feel for you. My kid, you know, puts his hand on his diaper or whatever, you know, whatever. And then everybody's sharing all the mortifying, embarrassing things that their kids do. Then suddenly when your kid is 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and they're deciding to experiment with drugs or alcohol or have sex or they stole something from a store. Suddenly you're not gathering with those people anymore and going, oh my gosh, you will never believe what Johnny is doing. He's having sex with every girl in his class. You're not going to really be uh, commiserating with other parents on because that. The, because the stigma is greater because the... Because the consequences are more severe, because those people just aren't around, because society makes it so we can't say those things. Well, I don't know. I I think that there's shame involved. You know, if your kid is two and picking their boogies and eating them, it's cute. There's it's no funny. shame. You might be mortified, but really, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a when deal. When your kid's nine and wetting the bed. Well, that's more of an issue. Do you say that in the playground? Or on the... I don't think so. On the sidelines of the soccer game? Definitely not. So that's like the middle ground. That's... So somewhere or other, it goes from... But, I mean, that example is interesting because... That's something... Well, at least the way I think of it. That's something that I wouldn't say... I don't mind, I wouldn't have any issue saying my two-year-old picks his boogies and eats them. No one would. At nine years think. old, my kid still wets the bed is embarrassing for them. But you're telling it theoretically in a safe space where you're... But I mean, if they found out friend. that you shared that personal information with their friend's parent, they would be mortified. So I wouldn't... But then by I, the time you get to the Johnny's experimenting with drugs now you don't care anymore about the mortification of the kid because honestly the kid probably could care less if the kids or he needs some kind of intervention at that point and more importantly at that point the kid doesn't care so at that point it's all about you you're, right and you're shameful where you're did shameful i go about wrong the fact that your kid's doing something that has real consequences now right and you know certainly i i think and let's face it, the reality of it is, is that while it's shameful, if statistics and anecdotal evidence are to be believed, they're all doing it. 
They're all trying it, thinking about it. They're all trying it, it some way, somehow. If they haven't tried it, somebody's offered it to them and they Chose stayed strong. Try. But they're probably wondering and eventually they're going to sort it out and, and figure out where they stand on it. Right. So, so really what... The experimenting, right. The experimenting is much more common than anybody admits and the sex that's but the getting totally the case getting too. addicted to something is less common well, we're not talking about oh my son has to go into rehab because he's got addiction right. like this is like something else or my daughter's you know decided to try vaping or you know my daughter drank at a high school yeah, party anything parents my experience and i wanted to hear about yours if you have any but my experience is that all the parents that I knew and our kids that I still know when our kids were growing up who were like, oh my gosh, uh, they, they had, you know, in third grade, they had a speech and they weren't prepared and they stood up in the front of the class and they froze and then they got a bad grade on their, on their speech because they weren't ready. Or my kid, you know, is anxious and doesn't want to go to school. They're sharing all this stuff constantly, share, 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 and then boom. You stop dropping, you stop staying at the practices with your kid. You don't see those people anymore. And now nobody's talking about anything. But and you, the only way I hear about who's doing what is through the grapevine, through what our kids tell us about those other kids. And there's no more sharing among the parents or at least among the moms. But you made it, you dropped that, that, that codification in there that it has something to do with kids on the sideline of practice or taking your kids to the practice or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that has nothing to do with it. Other than just being that that's where the kids are in life. Even if... But you have easy access to the other parents. <clears throat> because as a coach, there's plenty of times in the past two or three years where I'm coaching teenage boys and there's a bunch of parents who are sitting watching practice because they oh still gosh. have to bring their kids to the practice. Well, I think that situation is a little different because at least for our son's team, some of those parents are driving 45 minutes to get them there and it's a two-hour practice. So they're not going to drive there, turn around and come home and go back again. That would be preposterous. Right, so I get my point just is, is that I don't... It has nothing to do with the access of parents to talk with each other because they could talk with each other hanging out around the fire pit when the families get together if they do that sort of thing or at the games or at practice. I, think, I don't be, think that's a big piece of it. I think that's just that happens at the same time when these bigger the issues bigger issue start coming up. Is that nobody wants to talk about quote unquote real Real issues. Real issues and screw-ups and things. Everybody wants to deal with those on their own, separately, in their bubble. And... Do you experience that from the dad's perspective? Like, what's your experience with that? When you said this topic, I totally took it in a different way. Because when you said, so you wanted to talk about, you know, the issues of raising a team. You immediately went to the support network, which I didn't think about that for a second. 
when you talked about the well, issues, that's its own issue. Yes, which could maybe, be a whole other which episode, is probably. But I didn't think when you said talk. Let's you know. Let's get your perspective on the experience of raising teens. I immediately thought of, oh, okay. So what are the issues with that I have to deal with with my actions, tactics, strategies, and things that I do in order to raise the team. Things that I do not... Let's let's actually have that discussion and put it on for next Friday because I think that's a good one too. What? Like that's the, actual... the only thing I have because that's... I. <laughs> no dad in the history of mankind has ever sat and said to another dad, wow, well... Let me rephrase that. That's so, that's unfair. In my experience, very few dads would actually sit there and talk to another dad about an issue that they're having with their child and go, oh my gosh, you won't believe what the kid did now. Well, that brings up an interesting point. The mothers, I mean, I think maybe this is where you're going. The mothers are seeking that, you know, oh, this is happening what do you do in this situation? How does this work? I mean, I can just tell you from your actions, there are a couple very close friends of yours who, when, when situations have arisen where you're texting back and forth with them a lot. about Yes, I have a few very close, deep friendships that we share whenever you still, we need. And you still are talking about these complicated issues with even at this very difficult time to talk about the issues because they are now serious but you are still involved in those support networks and still talk to those people i've never done that there has never in my life been a text that i sent to another father and said (laughs) i don't know how to handle this this thing is going on help so what's your insight not my brother. I have two older brothers who have already gone through all this stuff with multiple children. I've never gone to them and said, this is happening. I've never gone to my mother. I've never... You, I, if there's an issue that's coming up, I talk about it with you. Or I... I don't even know what I do. I just, I just think through it in my own head and go, okay, here's the right thing to do. So that, this, this topic could actually <laughs> be an entire podcast. Not an episode, but like the entire thing. Because it's so vast and so complicated and so nuanced. But I have spoken to many men in my travels. Husbands and dads. And many times, if, if the opportunity arises, I will intentionally go there. You know, if I'm having a conversation where it's kind of deep enough that I can actually go there with that person, not just like, how's the weather? But I've actually said, do you have a support network? Do you have friends? Do you, have, do you hang out with your buddies? Like, wh- what, what is your support network? And across the board, every single one of them says no. And across the board, every single one of them. Now, I'm not talking about I've talked to thousands of dads. I'm not doing research. It's just as I come across, you know, as these opportunities arise. 
but across the board, all of them said, no, I don't have a support network. I wish I did, but I have no idea how to get it. And across the board, they said, oh, I have friends and we hang out, but we hang out and watch the game and we have a beer together. And if there's something bothering me or scaring me, I couldn't talk about that in that situation, in that environment. I could never bring that up. There's no one I can talk to. Some of them say have said to me, I can talk to my wife. And some of them have said, and Brene Brown's research showed this too, some of them have said that my wife expects me to be the strong one. I can't go to her. Now, that might be in his own mind that, that she's not receptive to helping him. Or it may be true, I don't know. But their their perception is that they're isolated and they're alone. I think you're a little different than most men, so I don't know if you'll resonate with this, but men, to me, seem lonely. They seem uh, isolated. They, they mingle in and amongst the people in the world, but, like, emotionally, they don't... They're, they're on an island by themselves. And I, I think that maybe when they were cavemen, that was okay. But I think that I've met so many men who don't really necessarily want to always be that way anymore, but they don't know how to make it any different. So that's interesting that this takes a twist that way. So at the risk of sounding like... And these men I'm talking to are just like regular guys. They're not like... I don't want to say anything offensive to anyone. They're not people who you would put on the outer rim of the the standard bell curve. They're just regular people that you run into. There's nothing extremely different about them where they're, they've said these things to me. Right. So I don't want to sound like an arrogant jerk. I don't need to talk to other dudes... Well, I think you're being a little unfair. Because the reason that I said you're different is because you have some lifelong friends who you can go there with. If you were really struggling and they, I know that they've shared stuff with you when they're struggling. If you were really having a hard time, you could go to them and say, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm stressed. So, so here and there is the, the point. I've had those conversations with friends of mine. You have some deep friendships, and I think you're among the But not the about ones. parenting. Because... Yeah, I mean, this is because going I bigger. Don't, because I don't feel well, I lost. Well, I mean... And if you do have... If you are lost, you, you're married to a lighthouse. I mean, come on. I, well, I mean, let's... No, I'm tooting my own horn. You are tooting your own horn, but we're... I just think when when it comes to... When it comes to our kids and parenting our kids, between your um, experiential and uh, learned knowledge about parenting... And my own ideas. Yeah, ideas. Assessment of situations. But just sort of like my own kind of uh, innate response to situations that go on. Like we're not reactionary. We're not 
Well, we've but become non-reactionary. Non-reactionary, but but I'm also not like like I'm also like I have a clear spot in my head where, like, and I mean sometimes I watch you cringe when I'm talking to the kids, but like I have a clear spot in my head where I go, like, okay, we've we've done the like nice guy, like we're gonna have a good little interaction here, and then I go, okay, here comes the band hammer. The no, line. we're yeah. at the end. I'm. I'm the the dad in this situation, and I'm telling you how stuff is going to be. And <clears throat> between those those perspectives and between, across that, that spectrum, I don't need to go talk to any of the people who I would mention or a casual acquaintance or anybody else and go, hey, you know what happened with Noah the other day? He blah, 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 and I just didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. Well, okay, like, I mean, that so... Would be, to me, that would just feel so weird because, number one, I already would have sat down with you and said, this happened, and we would have had a conversation, you and I would have talked about <coughs> We would have talked about it, and then we would have ended up with, okay, here's what we're going to do. But, but, there are many people out there, I think that our relationship is very unusual. Ah, no, it's less and we've unusual met many than we people, might like to well, think. We've but. met many people who have a, a similarly healthy communicative relationship. I know it's not like the only one, but there are many people out there in the world who don't have that kind of relationship, sure. who don't have that kind of open, comfortable communication with their significant other or the parent, the other parent of their child. And sure. so... When it comes time, you know, and there are weird dynamics. I've met many moms who don't like the way their dad, their their husband's parent, and they don't they don't know how to approach it or get through to them, and then it just becomes like a, like a like um an axe that ju- or a crowbar that just pro- continuously pries them apart. Yes. So. We we there certainly have no dearth of communication about how we're going to do things. We have points where we disagree. We have points, sometimes. We have points where we say, hey, I handled it this way. It didn't work. And then we got to walk. One or the other of us has to like walk it back from where we were. Um, I, I just... You know, to me, the the support network for parenting is you and I talking about things, and 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 maybe I'm maybe I'm like as clueless as every other guy because there you are sending all these filaments out into the world trying to get feedback from all these other people and these moms about how to do it, and then meanwhile I'm just going, well, here's what I think we should do, and then you're coming with tons of different stuff but you know maybe that's partly the roles of but what would you say dads i don't know so i don't want to be also gender offensive or something but like i I don't know like to me and we've faced some we've faced some decisions we've had some tough stuff we haven't had we haven't had you know a, a super difficult situations maybe but we've had some stuff that we've had to deal with as parents and I just feel like generally speaking we've 
come through it with as nuanced and as carefully a well-thought decision as we can. And, you know, there's going to be other things that are going to come along that are going to also challenge us in new and interesting ways. And, but usually I feel like between the two of us, we come up with a solution. The right solution won't say that. We come up with a solution, a solution that works for us as a family, for our kids. It takes into account who and what they are, and we move forward. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, to me, it's the topic that the the where my brain. We're going to do that next talking. week. Yeah, I know, but I but I can't. I have to at least say a word about it. Is because what when I thought about that and the challenges of of being a parent of a teen, the I the thing that immediately you're going to leave a teaser for them for next week. Yeah, the thing that immediately crept into my mind is how hard it is to uh, how hard it is to find the appropriate level of permissiveness ah yeah married to your experience yes tied to what you know you yourself did right <laughs> and that and that to me is the biggest challenge of of parenting a teen because you know you broke the rules well let's leave them dangling right. with that comment and then we will pick up with this discussion next week okay so let's wrap this up all right and then we'll continue this discussion next week sounds good that wraps up today's episode wherever you are in this world i hope we hope that you make it a sunshine and warm kind of a day since that's what it is here all right That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to erin at erin-taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.